The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network. Happy New Year. Welcome into Odds On. I am Mike Palm, joined by Amal Shaw for the first time in 2022. What a weekend it was, Amal. College football games on Friday, Saturday, and then, of course, a terrific Week 17 in the NFL, which concludes with Steelers and the Browns tonight. Yeah, uh, unfortunately now for the Browns, this game is rendered meaningless since the Cincinnati Bengals had a terrific comeback. And how about that unnecessary risk by Zach Taylor? We'll get into in shenanigans here in a second, but give them credit for getting the W. And I thought also another thing coming up in shenanigans uh, – this Kansas City defense got exposed a little bit. We're going to talk a little college football. We had the playoff yeah. uh, happen. We get uh, uh, Kirby and Nick, part 19, uh, coming up next Monday night for the national championship. Uh, but let's start in Cincinnati, where it was a big day for the Bengals, rallying against the Chiefs. Yeah. They claimed the AFC North and knocked the Chiefs out of the number one seed. A game in which the Chiefs led by two score, but also a game in which you mentioned Zach Taylor has a chance to kick a field goal with 48 seconds left to take a three-point lead and decides to go twice on fourth and goal. Yeah, and the first time, it was fortunate there were offsetting penalties, so they got another opportunity, and then on fourth down, uh, legal hands to the face or a use of hands to the face by the defense, and that gave them a first down. They were able to kneel down. It looks great in hindsight, but if you don't make that, and, and with Mahomes, if you're that concerned about it, is the 30 yards really going to make a difference? Because with Harrison Butker, you get anything inside the 40-yard line, you're going to try a 57-yard field goal or anything less than that with his strong leg. I was just surprised by the decision there. I thought you had to take the three points. I agree with you. You take the three. You leave Kansas City with 44 seconds left and no timeouts. Yeah. There's very little margin for error there. If you can make two tackles in bounds, you might not get a Butker kick. I love the point you just made about the no timeouts. That is the difference in an NFL game in terms of whether Mahomes is going to beat you or not. When you don't have the timeouts, you are limiting the amount of access that they have over the middle of the field. Give them a 20-yard play. It's still going to take about 20 seconds by the time you get the next ball snapped. You're looking at, realistically, probably three plays if you don't run any of them out of bounds. Uh, and you mentioned in shenanigans the Chiefs' defense. We were sold on the comeback of the Chiefs. They went from two and three on this long winning streak to control the number one seed. They have won the AFC West. But there were questions about their defense. Still people asking, has the defense improved that much? In Cincinnati, I love the over because I wasn't sold that they could slow down Joe Burrow. Yeah, and they really didn't. And Jamar Chase with a monster day, 266 yards receiving. And I think this is going to be the problem for Kansas City, The one of the reasons why they're not an overwhelming favorite. Even though the defense, excuse me, has played far better, the offenses, we know how dangerous they can be. But this has still been the problem for the last four years for this Kansas City team. The defense is there. They play well during the regular season, but people truly believe in them. And I thought they got exposed a little bit yesterday. You have this type of lead. You shouldn't be relinquishing it. I don't care that Burrow's on the other side. All right, let's finish shenanigans at SoFi, where uh, <laughs> two of the great chess masters of the NFL, Vic Fangio and Brendan Staley, 
did wage war. So about a yard and a half needed by the Chargers on fourth and goal, and they decided to kick the three points to go up 10 nothing. I was the one time I adamantly disagreed with the decision. You got lock on the other side of that field there. To me, you go for it. You're gashing them on the ground. They're having a great day moving the ball at will. And they, they decide to kick the field goal. Then Vic Fangio decides to gamble in a game that's 10 nothing. I'm like, take the three. Make it a one-score game. Made no sense to me. He goes for it. They don't get it from fourth and about the two-yard line. They had three attempts from that same area. They couldn't convert. It's just the decision-making that is so poor across the board continuously and, and certain unnecessary risks by these teams. I'll tell you what I was surprised by, first of all. And, and you, you talk about having, uh, you know, a situation where you leave a team down on the goal line. I was surprised that Mike Vrabel, up 7 nothing, he had fourth and about a yard from the four-yard line, yeah. that he kicked the field goal there because if you don't make it, you leave Tua with his back to the goal line. And we already saw Tua was having a hard time with the ball, whether it's the wet weather or whether the Dave Craig-like hands. He couldn't really hang on to the ball, and he wasn't hitting his targets. I thought you'd take a shot to go up 14 nothing there and really put the pressure on Miami. First of all, I had Tennessee yesterday, so I was happy yeah. with the call. But the reason why I agree with him, first, you're four mm-hmm. yards out. The other thing is, remember, Tua's on the other side. You're not worried about them moving the ball against your team twice. Yeah. The reason why my argument against Staley, which is 180 degrees different, number one, they were at a yard, one-and-a-half-yard line compared to Tennessee. One other thing is, I thought when you look at it, the, the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball at will against this team. Tennessee offense without Derrick Henry has been competent, yeah. not great, not elite. So I think that's the difference there. It for all me. worked out. I, I, I didn't want to lay the three and a half. I laid 150 on yeah. the money line with the Titans, but it really wasn't a contest. Uh, how about the fact that the Chargers scored to go up 17 to nothing with 18 seconds left in the half, and they and they let the Denver get a field goal at the end of the half? Yeah, Brandon McMass hits about a 61-yarder. That would have been good from uh, anywhere, I mean, in L.A. County. It was unbelievable. He nailed this sucker. I couldn't believe how quickly they got down the field in two plays and were able to get three points. Stunning. All right, let's go to the burning questions, and uh, I'll have some college burning questions later, but let's start out with the NFL burning questions. Question one, Amal. Did the Buccaneers' chances of repeating as Super Bowl champions follow a shirtless Antonio Brown into the MetLife Tunnel on Sunday? I don't know if that was you or Britton on that. But I love the phrasing on that one. I write. This is uh, world-class writing. Okay. And delivery. It's not Dave Ross reading the questions. Okay. <laughs> Good to see 2022's off to a flying start here. Shots fired. I love it. Uh, to me, when you look at it, I thought this team was already in trouble without Chris Godwin. He, he is so valuable to uh, Tom Brady in the passing game. Antonio Brown, look, we kind of saw this uh, simmering under the surface for a while. You knew something was eventually going to boil over, and we saw it occur, and his career is over. And you know what's unfortunate, Mike? I think this is going to affect his ability to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If you look at his numbers, I was looking at them yesterday. Mm-hmm. This guy's a for-sure fire Hall of Famer in my book. But I, I think just the way things have transpired over the last three, four seasons, it, with the Raiders, with the Patriots, with the Buccaneers, I don't know if he necessarily gets in from a character standpoint. Was he more of a detriment to his teams than Terrell Owens? No, because Terrell Owens never had any off-field issues in terms of getting arrested or anything like that. Antonio mm-hmm. Brown is a guy that could potentially be one you consider a problem off the field in a lot of different areas. Here is the display. I guess, you know, from reports of people that were close to him, he was upset. Remember he got targeted 15 times in his return game in Charlotte last week uh, against Carolina? And in this game, um, Brady was going to Gronk more, and that upset him. That was really what that upset him uh, at this point. Brady went over and tried to talk. Mike Evans tried to console him right before he ripped his jersey off and, and walked out. So did O.J. Howard. Look, I, my only negative on Tom Brady is that he went to Michigan. But yeah. not only is he the greatest player of all time, I think he's the greatest teammate of all time. I, I loved his postgame comments on Antonio Brown. 
the way he said that, I, I think this guy, he never has a misstep. I, I have such respect for Brady, the player and the person, in terms of what he does. Look, he said, and, and I think he's probably privy to things that other people are not with Antonio Brown. But I, I just loved his postgame comments. I'm not even going to try and paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly what it is he said, but just his commentary on it and just him understanding time, score, and situation, whether it be on the field, off the field, he has just been an incredible leader, whether it's been in Foxborough or in Tampa. Jets go fourth and fourth and a yard and a half instead of kicking the field goal to go up seven. Did you agree with that? Uh, I did not. I, I said you got you got to kick it and go up seven. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, in terms of the odds to the point of that question, going into Sunday, the Buccaneers were the third choice to win the Super Bowl behind the Packers and Chiefs. Now they fall to fifth at nine to one. Bills and Rams now both ahead of them in yeah. terms of the Super Bowl market. Let's talk about those Chiefs in question two. Assuming that the Bills win this week and win the AFC East, the Bill, the Chiefs have now lost to all three of the other AFC division champions. Will the AFC playoffs be a redemption tour for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, or do the Chiefs just not match up well with their possible playoff opponents in the divisional and championship round? They're still the favorite to win the AFC, plus 225. You know, I think when you look at Kansas City, the one thing you have to strongly consider is is this team just a benefactor of the fact? Remember, for seven consecutive games, their defense forced at least two turnovers in every game. Turnovers are one thing you can't necessarily rely on in terms of being successful. And look at during this run. They played the Packers without Rodgers. The Giants, we know their issues. Dallas, obviously, that was a game in which they won in Kansas City. They played well defensively. Broncos, Raiders twice in that uh, stretch. Chargers haven't stopped anybody except Denver. That was the first time in about 10 weeks they stopped anybody. And then we know what the Steelers are. I'm not trying to discount their success because you got to play who's on your schedule. You're not responsible for that. But are they really an upper echelon team the way they're being credited, Mike? I don't truly believe that. I think the AFC is wide open. I think Kansas City has got to be a, a team that you consider the favorite. I just think Tennessee doesn't have as much of a home field advantage. Yeah, right now Tennessee in line for the one seed. And maybe for the first time in four years, the AFC championship game isn't at Arrowhead. But they're actually the third choice right now, the Titans at 5-1 to one to win the AFC. I don't think they're uh, uh, too far out of the realm there. And what about the Colts? Where are they at? Eight to one. And by the way, you know what's interesting is on these replays when they come from a booth-initiated review, there should be a rule in there that says, hey, if you want to let the touchdown stand, you can let it stand because that would have been the best thing in the world for the yeah. uh, Colts against the Raiders yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't want that review. No. But in the last two minutes, it has to come from the booth. I thought a bad look for Carson Wentz yesterday. Once they got the lead in that game, he took a couple sacks that took him out of field goal range on third down, and then he missed a wide-open receiver. They should have won that game, and now they find themselves in a must-win situation uh, going into week number 18. All right, question three. The Dolphins saw their seven-game winning streak and their hopes of making the playoffs come crashing to the wet, chewed-up Nissan Stadium turf in Nashville on Sunday. Is the Tua experiment in Miami over? I think so, because I think this defense is still pretty good. If you give them an offense that actually can sustain a drive instead of going three and out and punting, I, I think this team becomes extremely dangerous in a lot of different scenarios. Uh, Miami's got a plethora of draft picks, if I'm not mistaken. Good opportunity for them to potentially select a quarterback. Maybe nobody overwhelms them, but I like the quarterbacks in this draft more than other people do, particularly Kenny Pickett. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I think if they can get a serviceable quarterback, they become a very dangerous team in the AFC. All right, final question for the NFL. Matthew Stafford turned the ball over multiple times again in Baltimore yesterday, including a pick six. While the Rams may well win the NFC West, are they serious Super Bowl contenders with Stafford in his current form? It's interesting. I think Green Bay is a prohibitive favorite at this point in time. You've got to go to Lambeau. Uh, this team's going to be tough to knock out. I, I just don't necessarily see it with the Rams. Give them credit for coming from behind. Uh, nice job converting that fourth down to Odell Beckham Jr. by Matthew Stafford. But 
I, I don't know. He leaves a little bit to be desired. But I do think his talent is good enough where, despite his shortcomings, he can potentially overcome them and this Rams team get through or get by Green Bay. Steelers laying three at home to the Browns with a total of 43 and a half tonight. It's a pass for me, Amal. I, listen, I'm glad you put this in the final 30 seconds of the segment here. Who cares? Right? The Steelers have to win out and to be able to have a miracle shot to get to the postseason and then need a little bit of help of a tie, or what's the scenario? Yeah, they, they have to have a – both them and Baltimore have to have a million things happen. Yeah. Like win and then have four or five other things happen, yeah. which is very unlikely in the final, the final week of the year. All right, when we come back, we're going to discuss college football burning questions the playoffs that occurred, the national championship game, and a look at some of the Week 18 odds. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates— Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, and a mall's personal favorite, citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, among America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N dot com slash F-I-N-D. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back into Odds On. It is Mike Palm with Amal Shaw here on a Monday in 2022. And I want to turn our attention to college football. Let's start out with one shenanigan before I go to the sure. burning questions. How about that display of clock management in the fourth quarter of the Rose Bowl? Yeah, Ryan Day and uh, Kyle Whittingham, both of them I don't understand. If you're Utah, you leave going back to Salt Lake City with three timeouts in your pocket. Why not use some timeouts there? And then how about Ryan Day kicking the field goal with 12 seconds left? So I was going through every scenario that's possible here. You're thinking, okay, maybe if they drop the snap, you have an opportunity. They throw it away, have a chance for another one. But I'm like, why give Britton Covey, one of the best returners in college football, an opportunity? Should have kicked it with three seconds remaining, win the game, walk off the field. I just didn't understand that. Maybe he was confident that Covey wouldn't return two for a touchdown. The 12 seconds is baffling to me. It I really understand is. Whittingham. 
the backup quarterback is he's going to make the field goal or miss it. He doesn't want him to run it in or pass it in. But the 12 seconds to leave them the, the return. They ran one back. Yeah. They almost ran a second yeah. back. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And by the way, how about kickoff returns? How about the end of the game of the Bears and the Giants? I didn't see it. The end of the first half. Neither Giant return man got the ball, and it didn't go into the end zone, so they had to dive on it on the two. It ended up being a safety and a field goal for the Bears to end the half. Cost them five points. Too bad their, their head coach had, didn't have a background in special teams. By the way, you know what's funny? You mentioned Joe Judge, and I was thinking about this uh, because there were some other special teams oh. coach mentioned during the weekend, and it was in the college level, and I'm like, why would you ever hire a head coach who's a special teams coordinator? I get John Harbaugh was, but yeah. my, my point being is most of these guys, I don't get it. I want somebody who's is a specialist on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball. Okay, let's get to the burning questions for college football. I'm going to start out with the semifinal games yeah. with this question, and and – and maybe it's easy to say in hindsight, but both Cincinnati and Michigan won the coin toss in their national semifinal games of all. Both deferred and found themselves down 7 nothing before they ever touched the ball. Conventional wisdom says to defer and have the ball to start at the second half. But when playing Alabama and Georgia, isn't the prospect of having to play from behind a greater risk than the advantage of having the ball to start the second half? Maybe, but I think sometimes you want to test your mettle. If you're Michigan, you felt more confident with your defensive unit against the Georgia offense than you probably did with your offensive unit against the Georgia defense. Look, in Cincinnati's case, they had an opportunity. They responded right down the field. Desmond Ritter, by the way, I've never seen a quarterback as tall as him have as many passes batted down. It was unbelievable. They had first and goal at the 11-yard line on their first drive. Or first and 10 at the 11. Desmond Ritter should have opted out because now he just hurt his draft stock, in my opinion. This guy couldn't complete a single pass without getting a volleyball spiked right back at him. Let me ask you this question. Was Cincinnati closer to Alabama or was Michigan closer to Georgia? Cincinnati closer to Alabama. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Look, I thought they had a tremendous game plan against Bryce Young Mm -hmm. because Bryce Young struggled. You know, I'm a big pro Bryce Young guy. I think he's terrific. He struggled in that game. I mean, that errant interception he threw – it's not something you saw at him all year long. I was really surprised by his play. I thought Cincinnati uh, got away from the running game a little bit too quickly, missed some opportunities in the passing game. Ritter was off his game. That's the one thing with him throughout his career. He's been consistently inconsistent. Well, this leads us to the next question. After watching the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl, I find it hard to believe that Bryce Young is a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud. Tell me why I'm wrong. From an accuracy standpoint, I'm, I'm still taking Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud is tremendous, but it also helps when you've got an absolute dude in J- Jackson Smith and Jigba. This guy, he catches everything. I, you know, I'm trying to think he had one target. He should have had another touchdown when he fumbled as he was going in. I well, mean, give Clark Phillips yeah, credit. I, I, like, Smith and Jigba's not quite as fast as maybe some of these other guys. That's the one thing Ohio State, they don't have any burners at the receiver position. But everybody kept saying they're losing a lot and Wilson. I'm like, you don't understand, dude. They got dudes back there. They got Marvin Harrison Jr. looked like Marvin Harrison out there route running. I mean, the balls that I give Stroud credit. He was dropping dimes. But it's really, to me, I think when you look at the decision-making, because that one pass he threw to Julian Fleming that was intercepted in the end zone, you couldn't even see Julian Fleming on the play. The coverage was so good. You think that Stroud will be the Heisman favorite heading into next season? I do not, because I think Alabama next year is going to be an all-time team. I I think they they are going to be so good when you look at what they lose. Josh Job in the secondary, Evan Neal on the offensive line, Jamison Williams from the offense. Probably eight or nine starters back offensively. Defensively, about eight or nine starters back. I think they're going to be historically great next year. Ohio State wins the Rose Bowl because they did something they couldn't do in the second half of the Oregon or the Michigan game. They got stops. Absolutely right. They, yeah, They didn't do that in either of those other two games. I, I think what's going to be interesting with the Buckeyes next year, and I talk about I think Ohio State's going to be elite next year, and I think Alabama, they're going to be the two teams to beat. 
But uh, Knowles, who comes over, Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, Mike, the impact he has on this defense, if it's impactful, I think Ohio State will have an opportunity right there with Alabama. But both of these teams are going to be absolutely just crushing people next year. Question three is an important question, Amal. <laughs> you can already tell it's not. Go ahead. The Pac-12 has not won a bowl game in over two years. In fact, the last Pac-12 quarterback to win a bowl game is my adopted son, Justin Herbert. Is the argument for relegation of the Pac-12 in football simply a lazy narrative? Dude, you stole my punchline. You stole my punchline. Oh, my God. Uh, listen, if Lincoln Riley doesn't get something going in Los Angeles, let's start with the Pac-12, okay? Washington, absolute garbage. This is a, a historically great program. Look at what the dog father did. By the way, give Ty Willingham credit. Drove that program right through the ground, buried it six feet deep. New Hazard got things turned around. They brought in Ty Willingham. He ran it right into the ground. They've had some opportunities. They had Peterson. Peterson got They bring in Jimmy Lake. They forced out Peterson. How you doing now? How you like me now, UW? Washington State, what an embarrassment for the pathetic 12 against CMU. You get outcoached by the whale humper himself, Jim McElwain. Come on. What is going on? If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up on social media. And then the other thing is the rest of this league. Are Cal and Stanford even still playing football? Does the game even matter anymore, the big game? I didn't realize they're still playing. UCLA, they obviously opted out. By the way, emptying the locker room in San Diego before even telling NC State. Very classy Bruins. And then Arizona State, Jane Daniels has regressed. Arizona, they don't even know what the hell the Rose Bowl is. You couldn't even spell the word Rose Bowl if you gave them all eight letters. They've never made an appearance there. Utah, the only team with a good coach and a good program there. And we'll see with USC what they can do. Hey, somebody asked me uh, when we were watching the Rose Bowl, I was up at Barcan and somebody asked me, um, you know, why why is the Pac-12 not succeeding? Why is the what is the problem with the Pac-12? I said, look at the SEC, look at the Big Ten, and then look at the Pac-12 in terms of line play. I think that's the biggest difference. Hundred percent. I, I don't think they can compete with the line play. I mean, they couldn't compete with Central Michigan's running game. This Washington <laughs> State. I mean, seriously. Central Michigan gashing them in a run game. This is a Mac school. Nobody in the Mac was anything. They just all beat each other all year. Completely agree with you. And, you know, before people tell me, well, it's the academic requirements at Stanford, UCLA, Cal, Berkeley, and all these things. You know what? I don't give a damn. You know what? If you want to be an academic institution, focus in on that and dissolve your team for being a Pac-12 member or playing in Division One. I. I don't want to hear that excuse. USC absolutely was on fire for three, four years. And for actually really eight years during the run of Pete Carroll. Don't give me this excuses because I've seen Arizona get players into their basketball program that were fortunate if they could read or write. It doesn't matter. My, my point being is that if you want to sit here and be at the level of everybody else and you want to compete, at least start getting teams that can play. And you know what? I understand on the West Coast people are interested in other sports. Lazy excuses at the end of the day. The, these programs look like they're non-existent. Amal, on Friday, I begged you not to bet Notre Dame. I said we every single VSIN person's on Notre Dame. Notre Dame has no chance of winning and covering this game. Question four. Is Notre Dame's second-half collapse against Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State a harbinger of things to come in the Marcus Freeman era? I can tell you right now they're going to start their career 0-2 under Marcus Freeman because they open in Columbus next year. Oof. And it's not going to be an easy game. But, Mike, let me tell you, I know your buddy Todd Wishnaz doesn't believe in hedging. Why? When you can get Oklahoma State plus 1,000 to 1? I mean, 10 to 1? Yeah, plus 1,000? You don't have to worry about that. There's no sweat in that game. You just easily throw 10% of your bet right there on Oklahoma State, and it's an easy one. Listen, give them credit for coming from behind, but I thought the defense was pathetic by Notre Dame in the second half. It was. But how do you often score four out of five touchdowns and then not score a point in the last 30 minutes? Because the reality of it is Jack Cohn, what we've known for a long time, you don't want your quarterback starters to be transfers from Wisconsin or Boston College. All right, national championship game played from that harbinger of college football, Indianapolis. 
uh, will take place next Monday night. It's the rematch, Georgia and Alabama. Amal, we opened this game a pick. The public has bet it up to Georgia minus three. I'm not surprised when you look at it. I, I was really impressed with Georgia. And by the way, the one thing, you know, they kept on talking about N'Kobe Dean, and he's a terrific player, Jordan Davis. But how the hell did Will Anderson not win every defensive award yeah. in college football? It, it's an absolute disgrace. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great game, but I thought Cincinnati put a great, great blueprint together. I thought Stetson Bennett was terrific. Um, Brock Bowers got him going early on, and this running game is going to be dangerous. I like Georgia to win this game. Uh, Alabama's been outstanding, but I think it's going to be a tough one, and I think it's going to be a great game. If you can put pressure in the middle to Young, mm-hmm. he, want, he has a tendency, instead of moving, to throw off his back foot, and yep. he's wildly inaccurate off his back foot. Truly is. And, and how about the job they did on Jameson Williams? Nobody else slowed him down all year. They did a fantastic job. My inclination, though, is to take Nick in three here. I, I mean, look, it's not a bad play if you take it. How I, about I, the total? 52 again. Do you think that you said it was too low at 50 last time? Different scenario. They're not going to get beat over the top this time. All right, up next, we will look at the NFL Week 18 line. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights, Hardwood Handicappers, The Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They are all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Happy 2022 to all of you out there. Listening and watching Amal, our first ever in the NFL, Week 18 coming up here. Uh, and I want to get your early reactions to some of the lines. Tough week for the, for the odds makers in the fact that some games mean absolutely nothing. Some games mean everything. So let's go ahead. I'm a little bit offended by your statement. Tough week for the odds makers. It is tough. Does anybody actually give a damn about the odds makers that are uh, listening to us? The odds makers do. A lot of them are listening. Well, good for them. They like to, they like to get your lean on college basketball so they can move the numbers on air. Yeah, keep keep putting out Indiana State at home plus three and a half. Thank you very much. Okay, let's start in the um, NFC South, where the Saints are on the road taking on the Falcons. Saints still alive in the NFC playoff picture. It's down now. Um, six teams have already clinched playoff berths. Them all. Packers win their division. Rams win their division. Bucks win their division. Cowboys win their division. Well, the Rams actually s- still contested with the Cardinals. Cardinals are in. Eagles are in. The team in jeopardy is the 49ers. They can only be overtaken by the Saints. So the game means something to the Saints. Um, they are at Atlanta. We opened this number four and a half with a total of 40. It would be interesting. Uh, does Atlanta want to play spoiler? One thing I like is you've got an experienced team with Matt Ryan being a leader on that football team. Uh, this Saints team, God, what the hell did Sean Payton ever see in Taysom Hill? God, is he awful at the quarterback position. It was field goals, and it was the Saints' defense. They started a drive at the 13 or 14-yard line. They managed to get three points out of it. Um, I don't know. I look at this. Boy, it's a big number for them to be laying on the road. However, it's always tough when teams have nothing to play for, but Atlanta has competed. They went into Buffalo yesterday, had nothing to play for. They were still competitive in that game to a certain extent. So I don't think this would be as simple for New Orleans as people think. The Cowboys, by virtue of their loss to the Cardinals, and we talked about it last week, you like the Cardinals with the points, I like the Cardinals on the money line, fall from the second seed to the fourth seed. They have the division clinched. The Eagles have a, a wild card spot clinched. Dallas is in Philadelphia. If the Rams and Bucks lose, the Cowboys have a chance to get back to move up in the playoff seeding. 
If they win, they're stuck in the four seed. Cowboys favored on the road by three with a total of 41 and a half. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised by this. If I'm Dallas, I'm using this as a bye week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because to me, it's not going to bet up to five now, I'm all. Well, look, you're, what are you going to do? You're going to move up to the three spot instead of the four? If the Bucks and Rams both lose, but which the Rams need to the Rams need, need the game, the game win the to win the division. Yeah. Uh, if they both lose, uh, that's the only way the Cowboys can move up to the two. If just the Bucks lose, they lose the head-to-head tiebreaker with the Bucks, so they can't move up. In that, that that's case. what I'm yeah. saying. So uh, you know, it's it's. I think Tampa Bay will find a way to beat Carolina, but. Um, to me, I, I'm not looking to play my guys. I'm using this as a bye. We can get uh, everybody healthy. Cowboys likely have a rematch with Arizona in the wild yeah. card round in Dallas. Yeah, I remember we talked about it all week. I thought this line was out of whack. In Six and a half, half it closed. And they win the game. Yeah. I told you, Kyler and in, in, in Jerry World's going to play well. Now he's 9-0 and in his career in that building. But to me, uh, this Dallas team, outside of the Washington game, they've really struggled. And you know what nobody's pointing the finger at is Dak Prescott. The accuracy, Mike, it's always inconsistent. That's been the big problem with him. Colts uh, don't take care of the Raiders at home. They finished the season in Jacksonville. Um, right now, currently, Colts sit in the sixth position at 9-7 and seven in the AFC wildcard picture. Colts laying 15 in the road against this atrocious Jacksonville team with a total of 44. Who would they face off against in the first round, would it be? if, if Right now, yeah. if things held sway, they would be at Cincinnati. Boy, you got to like that matchup if you're the Colts. I think you can move the ball with Jonathan Taylor against that team defensively. Um, this is interesting. Wow, 15, that's a huge number here. Uh, but we saw what the uh, Patriots were able to do against this team. I think we could see a similar, similar performance by the Colts. We're also looking at potentially in the AFC, Patriots at Bills in a wild card weekend matchup, four versus five. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, a game that's meaningless as far as the playoffs. The football team and Taylor Heineke, who led the Eagles for much of that game yesterday, go to New York to play the Giants. Football team, six-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 38. I'll tell you right now, the worst offense in the NFL is the Giants. They had negative 10 passing yards yesterday. Of course, sacks are counted against passing yards. That's the lowest total, I think, in 25 years. Yeah, I would agree with you. No way I want to lay six-and-a-half in a meaningless game for the Washington football team. But I'll tell you one play I do like in this game, Mike, is the over 38. There will be points scored. If you look at last year, if you look at games where there's no meaning, these teams score. They go up and down the field. Nobody on the defense is trying to get injured in terms of making a tackle. You know, you're trying to usher a guy out of bounds. You're not trying to absolutely blow somebody up in this situation. I think this game gets over the total. I think this uh, this total moves up during the week. Bears are at the Vikings. Uh, Vikings disappointing, not going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, they lost in Green Bay last night. That eliminated them. They're a three-point favorite at home to the Bears. Remember, they beat the Bears uh, by 11 in uh, Soldier Field just a couple of weeks ago. Total of 44 here, Amal. Yeah. Uh, Bears this... have a chance to finish the season on three-game winning streak. Yeah, and I tell you right now, Nagy wants to win this mm-hmm. game just to look good for himself. I, I don't think you bring him back if you're the Bears, in my opinion. But uh, no interest in this game. But again, a game I would point to taking the over in. I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game. Uh, I think both offenses will be able to move the ball. Uh, this is one I would be looking at. I think this gets to 45 for sure by kickoff. At 44 right now. In Orchard Park, the Bills host the Jets. Very important game for the Bills. They need to win in order to lock up the AFC East uh, and host a playoff game on Wild Card Weekend. They are a 17-point favorite with a total of 44. Too many points. Uh, I know Buffalo needs this game, and but I tell you what, I was impressed with the effort we saw out of the New York Jets against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now they've played competitive, extremely. Uh, they've been extremely competitive at home all year long. But for me, I, I would look at taking the 17 points. If you're you got a division opponent here, if you're uh, New York, remember they got embarrassed by Buffalo earlier this year. Uh, I, I think it's just too many points. I thought the Jets made a mistake yesterday 
when they were up by two scores in the in the second half trying to run the ball. I know you want to kill clock, but I would have rather used a short passing game. You can't run against Tampa Bay. I mean, that's what led to the consecutive punts in Tampa Bay getting back into the game. I, w- I would agree with you, and Brady showing us why he's been so great throughout his career. Uh, Panthers at Buccaneers. Um, remember, in, in Survivor, all five advanced. Oh, they did, okay. One of the players still has Buccaneers for the million-dollar nice. bonus, um, assuming that he's saving them. The look-ahead in this spot was 16-and-a-half. The line actually now, Buccaneers favored by eight with a total of 42. Yeah, because the scenario of what happened, I'll tell you, remember last year we saw this with the Kansas City game against the uh, against the Chargers where the line went from them being a favorite to an underdog? Um, obviously, it's a million dollars. There's a lot of money at stake, but it, it's not necessarily a slam dunk. I don't know who else they have available. By the way, who did the people take this weekend? Okay, so the two that had San Francisco took them. Yeah. And then the other three all took different teams. Everybody had Seattle available, but only one chose Seattle. Okay. Nobody took the Bears. We had one Saints. And one Chargers. Okay, good, good place. And so uh, it's going to be interesting this weekend. I think there's some great opportunities that they have certain teams available uh, really in great position. We'll talk about that more later this week, and we'll look at the availability matrix for all five of the survivors. Um, Patriots are in Miami to take on the Dolphins. Patriots have a playoff spot locked up. Should the Bills uh, falter against the Jets, they could also win the East, but that's not likely. Obviously, 17-point favorite the Bills are. Patriots slain 6.5, total 40 them all. Uh, this is an interesting one here to me in this matchup. Uh, I, I know that uh, this is an opportunity for the New England Patriots. I think it's too many points. I, I think Miami will play them competitively. Uh, remember, these guys were three-point favorites earlier in the year against the uh, Dolphins at home in Foxborough. I know new, new, uh, now that Miami doesn't have anything to play for, but I still think against uh, Belichick's team, Brian Flores, the squad will be up for the game. I want to uh, sk- uh, go, go ahead. ahead. I want to skip ahead here to the Sunday night game. The, the, the single standalone game, which is a win-in-your-in scenario. It's a rematch from earlier in the year in SoFi. The L.A. Chargers are here in Las Vegas taking on the Raiders. Chargers laying three on the road, total of 48-and-a-half. Love the Raiders catching three. Revenge game here. I thought they played far better in the second half in that Monday night game. But, Mike, for me, the key is the fact that the Chargers' defense leaves a lot to be desired. I know they played well against Denver, but this is a different animal here now with Derek Carr and company. I, I think they've got a great shot. And even though there's deficiencies in this defense, what, what do we see in a total? 48 and a half? Yep. Um, you know, for me, I, I would be looking at taking the home team here plus the points. Uh, uh, 49ers uh, are in SoFi taking on the Rams. Important game for both 49ers. It's a win and you're in situation for the NFC wild card. Rams lane five with a total of 44 and a half. I think it's too many points. I like the 49ers catching five here. I think the Rams win the game, but I think five's too many. Even if it's Trey Lance. Well, you know what? I did forget about that scenario. I thought Jimmy would be back because he was I, I actually going to yeah. play this week. Um, I, I tell you what, we, uh, Michael Lombardi's line was so apropos yesterday. He's a year away from being a year away. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was spot on. You know, Brandon Ayuk made some nice plays. They've got some guys on this team. They, they, To me, you know what they remind me of? The Pistons after they won the title and they drafted Darko Milicic and they had an opportunity to draft Carmelo Anthony. That's exactly what the 49ers did by drafting Trey Lance. He had a team that was built to win a Super Bowl, and instead you go out and take Trey Lance. Um, boy, I, I just don't necessarily see him being able to put together a performance if he's got to start with them catching five. I would amend my statement and go with the Rams in that spot. Rams need to win this game because if they lose, they finish with a three and three division record. If Arizona wins, they also finish twelve and five when we have a five and one division record. It's the difference between really the two seed for the Rams and possibly the five seed. Changes everything. Yeah, having to go on the road twice instead of potentially having two home games. Yeah, but Shanahan's had uh, McVay's number. 
I mean, this, this, is, this has been a long run here for them. Shanahan's clock management yesterday left a lot to be desired at the end of the first half. Why At the end of the game, too. Uh, all right, when we come back, we're going to have our plays and a look at college basketball. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSEN, the sports betting network. Bet River Sportsbook takes same football game parlays to a whole nother level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. In addition to that, Bet Rivers has added more and more same game parlay props for college football matchups just in time for the biggest games of the season. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combination. Must be 21, gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1 800 Gambler, Indiana 1 800 9 with it, Colorado 1 800 522 Michigan 1 800 270 117, Virginia 1 888 532 and Iowa call 1 800 Bets Off. Playable in New Jersey is Play Sugar House, Void Where Prohibited. Welcome back into Odds On Mike Palm with Amal Shaw. It's a new year, Amal, and we'll start out uh, the segment with our plays for January 3rd. Yeah, I'm going to start in college hoops. No surprise there. A couple of games in conference play. I can't wait. This, to me, is the best time of the year betting college basketball. Bucky Badger getting 12.5 down in uh, West Lafayette against the Boilers. I think Purdue's the class of the Big Ten, but I don't think there's that much of a margin between them and everyone else in the league. I like Wisconsin getting 12.5 here, Mike. I, I just think their style of play with the experience team. By the way, Brad Davison, um, only member in college basketball history, to be also having an AARP card at the same time. I mean, this guy's been around for a 1,000 years, but it's been Johnny Davis that's been the catalyst for this team. I like the Badgers getting 12.5 here. And then up in Oregon and Eugene tonight, uh, the Ducks here laying 7.5 against Colorado. They were laying 5 initially against Utah Saturday, or excuse me, yesterday, and went to 6.5 by close. They had a great second half here. I think they get it done at Matthew Knight Arena. This Colorado's team, generally pretty good at home, Different team on the road here. I like uh, Oregon to be able to cover. All right, I have one play today also in college basketball. I think it's a lot of points here, too many points. Iowa, Lane, Maryland here at Carver-Hawkeye. Both teams looking for the first win in Big Ten play. I would have made this number something like six and a half or seven. Uh, Both teams now on three-game winning streaks having played outside of the conference here. I just think it's tough to lay close to double digits with a team that really doesn't lock you down on the defensive side of the floor. I would agree with you, and let's get into this game a little bit because I know we're going to talk about it. The one thing that I point to, Keegan Murray's been outstanding for this Iowa team. By the way, only a sophomore. Last year we saw some glimpses out of him, Mike. Probably going to be a potential lottery pick here. 
uh, leading the nation in scoring. And gonna looks like it's going to be the third consecutive year we see a Iowa player lead the Big Ten in scoring. Luca Garza the last two years. You brought it up, and this is an excellent point when you look at this team. The lack of defensive effort. Whereas I think Maryland would defend you a little bit better than you would anticipate. The question is, can you slow down Eric Ayala and Fats Russell for this Maryland offense? I think they'll be able to contain him just enough. Because the one thing that Iowa does, they put pressure on you from their success offensively. You kind of speed up a little bit, maybe take shots you shouldn't. I'm with you, though. If I'm playing this game, I would look at taking the Terrapins plus nine before I lay it with the Hawkeyes here. All right, I want to talk about one other college basketball game before we get into Would You Rather Future Tickets in College Basketball. A tight matchup in the CAA tonight as Towson mm-hmm. is at Drexel. Towson State laying two and a half on the road with a total of 139 of all. Yeah, this Towson team pretty good. And I'll tell you where they really excel is beyond the arc. One of the leading three-point uh, shooting teams in uh, their conference, obviously at about 37%. But the concern I have with them is offensively only 44% from the floor. Drexel has struggled. They come in at 500 uh, not a game I'm going to play either way here. But, Mike, you know, I always make fun of you for taking certain road chalk. I think in, the, in some of these other smaller conferences, you can take teams on the road because there's just not the same home court advantage. Okay, Abal, I'm going to ask you some would you rather for conference championship futures. Would you rather have Purdue to win the Big Ten at plus 160 or Baylor to win the Big 12 at plus 180? I would rather have Purdue at plus 160 because I think when you look at Baylor, you got to face off against Kansas and Texas. And I think those two teams, can't, Texas I have just a little bit below Kansas and Baylor, but I think it's a tougher league at the top. Could Baylor be 12-1 to 1 to win the national championship? They're undefeated at number one, and they're the fifth choice right now. Well, I don't know. You want to tell all the odds makers all the secret sauce? Go ahead. Yeah, no way. This team is terrific. They're better defensively this year than they were last year. They're experienced. This team is dangerous, and they're going to be tested in the Big 12. When you look at the top of the Big 12, no other league has this type of talent outside. I, listen, Pac-12 is pretty good at the top, but USC and UCLA are not Texas and KU. And that's the difference for me right now. When you look at, I think Arizona's the class right now, probably the Pac-12. I think Baylor's the class of the Big 12, but it's never easy. I think this year KU goes undefeated at home. Iowa State ranked eighth. They were undefeated Saturday going into their showdown with Baylor Mm -hmm. at Hilton Coliseum. Baylor went wire to wire there. They didn't cover in the end. They won by five. But the margin in that game was between six and 12 the whole way, right? I never seen Baylor was in jeopardy to me. We were talking about this during the commercial break, that in, in basketball, if a team decides they're going to really lock you down and just defend, and that's what Baylor does every night, they're going to be able to slow you down. And that's exactly what the Bears did at Hilton. And to me, I, I thought it was a big number to lay on the road, but this Bears team is tough. Would you rather have Duke to win the ACC minus 120 or Villanova to win the Big East at the same price, minus 120? I would rather have Duke minus 120 to win the ACC. Look, Virginia has dropped off. Syracuse is obviously not as what they once were. I'm sure Jim Beheim's got some built-in excuse why his team at a, you know, probably a 13-22 and 22 record deserves to be in the tournament. But who else is there? North Carolina, they can put up points, can't play against anybody. I love your facial reaction Louisville. there. No. Louisville, I know they got the road win against Georgia Tech. They're not good enough, consistent enough offensively. I'll tell you a team that's improved in this league this year drastically is Wake Forest. They've got some size. They're dangerous. There will not be an easy win when you go into uh, Winston-Salem. I like this team a lot this year. They played well against Louisville. Um, they had an opportunity uh, the other day here in a game against, uh, I forgot who they were on the road against. They came up just a little bit short, but this team is tough. I think Duke wins by the ACC by daylight. I, I'm with you. I don't you. even think it's close. The Duke, uh, excuse me, Wake Forest was at Miami. Uh, I'm with you. I think Duke should be far more than minus 120. Villanova um, had two twenty consecutive 20-point losses, but still the favorites in the Big East. If they don't win the Big East, who's winning it? 
I don't, boy, I tell you what. I, I look at everybody else in the rear, whether it be Creighton. Butler's playing great defense. Um, you know, you look at Seton Hall, inconsistent. I'll tell you, you know who's dangerous? I'm sorry, left them out. Providence. PC's playing extremely well. Would you rather have Alabama to win the SEC at plus 340 or Texas to win the Big 12 at plus 350? It's not even close for me. I, I'd rather have the Horns. Because they're going to play defense. We saw what they did against West Virginia on Saturday. Now, granted, the Mountaineers without Taz Sherman and company, three, two other guys out as well. Mike, I, I love the job. I, I tell you what, I said to somebody when uh, Chris Beard got to Texas, it, I, I'm not a, obviously I'm not a UT fan, as people know. I said he's going to be a problem there. They're going to be good, and they're going to be good for a long time. I look at this Alabama team. They're great offensively. But when you face off against a team like Tennessee, when you go back to Rocky Top, they're going to play well defensively. Kentucky is not getting enough credit for how good they are this year. This is going to help John Calipari's team flying high under the radar. I, I like the way UK is playing. Big Blue is going to win the SEC. Okay, I, I would agree with you that Kentucky is the best team in the SEC. But then I think there's a pack of four that are right behind Auburn, them. Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, and I'd throw LSU into that group. I love LSU the way they're playing defense. First time in Will Wade's career. Money must have dried up, so I had to get some guys start to play some defense. You know, you can get scores all day. You got to pay for them, but you got to get defenders. You got to get effort, guys. They're not collecting as much money in the open market. But to me, this team's dangerous, Mike. I don't think they have the offensive firepower when you go up against teams like Kentucky, and we saw it. Jabari Smith is now in the mix to be the number one overall pick. How good has he been for Auburn? Been terrific. Bruce Pearl's team, I like their depth overall. I think they're a dangerous team, and I'm with you. I think Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky are all three teams that could finish ahead of uh, Alabama in terms of the pack. Uh, excuse me, the SEC. Give me your final four right now. I think Baylor's a strong team. I think Arizona's going to be there. I, I love the Wildcats. I, I think this team is long. They're good. Carissa Kerr has, I mean, Kerr Carissa has been outstanding for this team. He's got Kerr on the back of the jersey. That's why I confused the name for a second. But I, I like them and the athleticism they have. Um, I think, you know, I want to say Purdue. I really do. I think they're really good. But I know what Purdue does in the tournament. So just going historically based on them, that's one concern I have. I think KU, nobody's talking about Kansas. And I think Kentucky's going to be there. I think Big Blue. Not Duke. You don't think Duke will be there? No, and I don't think Gonzaga is either. I don't think Gonzaga is. I've fade Gonzaga, but I think Duke will be there. I think when you get up against teams that can rebound like Oscar Toshibwe and the way Kentucky will, I think they're going to be a real problem. I think Kentucky is going to get better and better. And Wheeler... I'm going to tell you right now, this kid has been, what a transfer from Georgia into Kentucky. All right, let's finish with this Monday night football quarterback props. I know Baker and Big Ben are two of your favorite quarterbacks to watch and bet on. So let's let's talk this to end the show. Passing yards, over, under. Baker Mayfield, 216 and a half. Over. Big Ben, 237 and a half. Uh, over. By the way, none of these are plays I'm making. Passing touchdowns. Baker Mayfield, over, under, one and a half. You left to lay $2 to the under, plus 150 on two or more touchdown passes. Mike, I think it's going to be a high-scoring football game today. I I, I think the Steelers pretty much know they're not getting the playoffs. I I think they're just going to let it get out there and just sling the rock a little bit What do you think the atmosphere will be like Big Ben's last game at Heinz Field? I would be cheering him on the Steelers fan. Right? Yeah. I I think it'll be a great atmosphere there. Yeah. Interceptions, Baker Mayfield, yes, no. I say yes, minus 145. I'm going to say no. You say no, take plus 110. Yeah, yeah. A very reasonable 35-cent straddle. Ben Roethlisberger, yes, no interception. The yes is plus 100. The no is minus 135. Uh, I'm going to say yes. 
I don't know if I'll end up making a bet on this game or not. I think, though, that the Steelers at the money line might be the play because all these NFL owners made some sort of a deal with the Rooney's that Tomlin cannot go under 500. <laughs> Stay tuned to Visa and up next, betting across America. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.